Hey there, everyone. I'm Bentley. And I'm Will. And we're with Wrestling With Film Podcast. We wanted to tell you about today's sponsor, which is Anchor. And if you haven't heard, Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's so easy. We can do it. Let me explain. For starters, it's free, so that's always a plus. And it has tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right on your phone or your computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money off your podcast through monetization with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on Wrestling with Film. On Wrestling with Film, we're going to be discussing the worlds of wrestling, the worlds of film, and the sometimes overlapping world of the two. I'm your host, Bentley. And I'm your host, Will. Today we're going to be talking about wrestling news across the world. And then we're going to be talking about Child's Play and Toy Story, and why they're not as different as you may think they are. And then we're going to be wrapping things up by running down the Backlash and NXT TakeOver cards. Stay tuned on this episode of Wrestling with Film. ahead and jump right into it. Will, you're the expert on wrestling. Walk us through the last couple of weeks in the world of wrestling. Well, the last couple of weeks have been a little bit wild. We've had a few title changes. We've had Hikaru Shida become the third ever and second Japanese woman to hold the AEW World Women's Championship. Over on WWE, it's kind of rare for, in general, non-white people to get the titles. AEW seems to really be pushing uh, their strong stable of uh, Asian wrestlers. Do you think that's going to be a trend going forward? I think that's going to be their best tool at growing their women's division as an alternative versus WWE's women's division because they have a lot of Japanese women signs that do wrestle a much harder, faster style compared to, say, your Charlotte Flairs or your Becky Lynch versus a Riho or Hikaru Shida. It is kind of refreshing seeing a company not really care too much about whether or not we can get a fancy blonde girl on the cereal box. <laughs> That makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, I believe that diversity in your wrestlers is going to be always a strong selling point because at a certain point, it's just, oh, there's a person that looks like the last person that looked like the last person that won. Just kind of feels the same thing. They all just kind of blur together. Oh, 100%. What else do we have going on? So we also have a little bit of news going on in Impact. They recently put out their Slammiversary pay-per-view teaser that teased several potential former WWE wrestlers jumping over. I saw that. I I saw some of the news. I saw someone else talking about it not that long ago. And I don't know if we're going to be touching on this later or not. But I know that some of the people that were listed in there, they're potentially Rusev is going to be in there. Drake Maverick was also included in that, which I think we'll touch on here in a little bit. How many of these people do you think that they're teasing will actually show up. Yeah, how many of this is a a sure bet? They teased a good handful of people. They teased Rusev, uh, Drake Maverick, who was formerly Rockstar Spud in Impact, EC3, who used to be there. That was basically where he cut his teeth and found his character. But out of everybody that they've teased, to me, I feel like Rusev is the only one that 
kind of seems like a lock because his style just seems like it would fit really well with impact he has that kind of comedic timing which impact is known to do a lot of kind of sillier more out there storylines i think he would be a good fit over there but only time will tell and then we have a little bit of news over in japan as we're still feeling the effects of the coronavirus shutdown, and while a few companies in Japan such as Pro Wrestling, NOAA, Dragon Gate, and All Japan have been running no-fan shows, New Japan and Stardom have opted to go the other route and to just not run shows until everything is safe. But they have been uh, having talks with the Japanese government, and it's looking like here soon, possibly in a month or maybe two, we might start to see some activity from New Japan and Stardom. Nice. Have there been any interesting matches that have come out of Japan during all of this? Actually, yes. Surprisingly, a lot of good matches. One in particular, I cannot remember the names of the two men involved. It was Go Shizaki versus somebody, and they started off the match with 30 minutes of staring at each other not moving before they did anything (laughs) and on one hand i'm like you could literally only pull that off with no fans because after five minutes people are gonna start booing and it wasn't even like they're talking trash to each other or anything just blank expressions staring at each other trying to get someone to make the first move Any other matches that were interesting? Um, one in particular over from DDT, who seems to have a reputation for unique and interesting matches. We've seen the return of global phenomenon and agile acrobat Yoshihiko. (laughs) I don't think there's another wrestler like Yoshihiko out there. Yoshihiko is definitely a -a one-of-a-kind athlete. But Yoshihiko took on Katsumata in a death match, which I believe is the first of Yoshihiko's career. But clearly it was no issue because Katsumata did not walk away with a victory after taking multiple devastating maneuvers, some of which were on Legos. (laughs) For, For the people that haven't been keeping up with this... Should we explain who Yoshihiko is? I guess to put it bluntly, Yoshihiko's been wrestling for probably about a decade or so, has held a few championships, and is also a blow-up doll. (laughs) I'm glad you led with the championship. Yoshihiko isn't just a blow-up doll. It's also... It's so much more. So much more than that. You introduced me to Yoshihiko. She is, is easily one of my favorites. I would pay almost any amount of money to see a live match. Oh, I would love to see Yoshihiko come over to the States. <laughs> I think that maybe she is what WWE is missing right now on it. It would be an Asian champion that they could put the belt on. It could. <laughs> or is that more insulting than uh, the dude they put the women's championship on? Oh, when which t- when they had uh, <laughs> James Ellsworth win the inaug- basically win the inaugural Miss Money in the Bank match. Yeah. Or when uh, Santino Morella's sister, Santina Morella, That's the won one. the yeah. Miss WrestleMania Battle Royale. I mean, honestly, neither one of those are great. I disagree. Santina Morella was amazing. <laughs> Because <laughs> then Santina came back in the Rumble this year. <laughs> so what else do we have? So we, we, we covered AEW, New Japan. So uh, what's going on in WWE? In WWE, they've had a little bit of a noteworthy week. 
They're finishing up the build towards Backlash while also resurrecting the In Your House brand name for the NXT takeovers. Which I'm and- excited about. That 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 took me back when I saw... I think I actually somehow saw that before you, you did. You actually did. You had texted it to me right before I had watched the episode where they had revealed yeah. it. And I, I remember I felt stupid hyped seeing that logo again. That was back in my glory days when I was watching... We were buying pay-per-views back mm-hmm. then. Like, I... It took me back, so it was so exciting seeing the the brand come back. But on the NXT side, we have now crowned our new, possibly interim, NXT Cruiserweight Champion. They've been running a round-robin-style tournament now for a few weeks now, and we now have Mexican sensation El Hijo del Fantasma. Thank goodness they let him keep his name. (laughs) Speaking of Drake Maverick, having lost uh, the tournament, he was out of a job because of that because he was part of the he was one of the many many wrestlers that was released at the start of the pandemic and they decided that they would since he was already booked for the tournament they would let him work those dates and close it out and in storyline through his perseverance and hard work and making it all the way to the end and really he could have won if it wasn't for those luchadors that tried to kidnap him during the match (laughs) right but uh, Triple H came out and gave him an NXT contract, so I guess he still has a job again, or he never actually lost his job, and they just made a storyline out of all these other people getting fired, and in which case, either way is really scummy. It is. I, I, I've gone back and forth. I've, I've been curious if it was a work, and I remember watching it, because I, I did... Unfortunately, I... I watch NXT well, not the next day after it's on. So I already knew Drake Maverick got the, the contract. I didn't know the full story. I didn't realize that he lost. So I was like, oh, crap. That was kind of surprising. I thought he, he got his contract. But watching it, watching him try to get the waterworks going in the ring, I was like, you're trying it a bit hard. It just felt really off. But when he got there and Triple H was there with the with the contract, that looked real to me. And unless Drake Maverick is a much better actor than I realize, and like the in-ring performance of trying to get the tears was actually a work inside the work to make the actual waterworks and excitement that appeared when Triple H did it is a whole other thing. And it, to me, it seemed like, okay, maybe this was a genuine moment. And I've seen Triple H say it was for real that he just ended up getting over and they don't want to lose him. So, and he did a great job during this whole tournament, was a team player and got the contract. And again, I don't know how much of those official <laughs> statements are, are also actually over. true. Right. Part of me, I don't know for sure, because I will say this, Drake Maverick is a really good actor. He's definitely a promo guy over an in-ring worker. Not to say that he's a bad in-ring worker. I've honestly been extremely impressed with his matches in the Cruiserweight tournament, especially the three-way with Jake Atlas and Kushida. Yeah. Even though I'm still upset Kushida didn't win. (laughs) Tyler Breeze just came back on NXT with Fandango. Breezango came back. They're astronauts now. My wife and I saw them. It was the first time we we have any uh, exposure to them. We immediately loved them. Oh, they are fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Like the whole astronaut gimmick we we went crazy for it. I mean, we're, we're very easy to get over. You, you're, you're funny or you do something like super intimidating. Yeah, we're in. I am sad that their second gimmick didn't really get too fleshed. Or I guess third, because initially they were strippers and then they were cops. The fashion police, right? The fashion police, which is great. And then they moved them to NXT. They had one match where they came out as sexy nurses. 
And then Fandango <laughs> got hurt, so they had to pull them off, and Tyler Breeze was floating around in the cruiserweight division with short hair. But now that he's back, they are sexy astronauts. Which I am, I'm 100%. I don't think there's enough sexy astronauts in general. No. Uh, so, and especially, it's a very underrepresented group in the world of wrestling. It's good that sexy astronauts are finally getting the representation that they deserve on major television. It's It's been long overdue, and I'm glad it's happening. Kudos to WWE for being so progressive uh, in the representation of sexy astronauts. And people say that WWE's stuck in the past. Look at them. <laughs> Who would have thought? I believe that covers all the news, so let's go ahead and take a look at uh, Child's Play and Toy Story and how they are way more similar than people realize. We've wrapped up wrestling news across the world, and now we're going to shift gears to comparing and contrasting Toy Story and Child's Play. I think this is a great set of movies to kind of compare. Uh, I know when you first suggested it, I thought you were just joking. And then you were very insistent that we do this. I was like, okay, fine. And then I thought it was just, okay, it's toys that come alive. But then I started watching it because we watched Child's Play and we watched Toy Story uh, because we like to prepare and actually know what we're talking about. (laughs) We watched them. They are remarkably similar. Very similar. Um, And it's not just, you know, animated child's toys coming to life and having their own secret seedy agendas or children losing their innocence through menacing toys yeah there, there's a couple of dramatic beats or something i know there there's a saying that every single story uh has already been told by shakespeare shakespeare's already come up with every story and everything's just a variation of it you know, I, I a lot of it was the simpsons <laughs> the the simpsons are just a modern shakespeare uh but uh you know like the lion king is hamlet is animal hamlet Mm-hmm. Um, Avatar's you know, space Pocahontas. Space Pocahontas, yeah. Well, that one's not, that was not Shakespeare, but you know, but you know, still very similar sets. So, you know, Hamlet is a, is a concept that's used. Shakespeare didn't work for Disney. No, surprisingly, not Billy didn't work for for Disney. Billy Shakes. <laughs> Billy Shaky. <laughs> uh, but uh, I know that's the thing. But when you look at it, I'm very curious how much they actually inspired it because. Uh, Toy Story is actually written by Joss Whedon, you know, from from Avengers and Firefly and Buffy, which I think is very interesting, especially considering what he's gone on to do narratively and story building. But I wonder, like, if he was partially inspired by Child's Play in some weird way. Like, let's let's do a light version of this, a little bit less murder from the toys. I mean, I could see that. I don't know. I just see a lot of parallels with the little boy from Child's Play and the poor victim at the end of Toy Story, Sid. <laughs> so like a death of innocence kind of situation. Um, In a sense, because I mean, this small child literally watches what was at one point a exciting new beloved child's toy brandish a knife and murder his loved ones and peers. And in a similar way, Sid kind of went through the same experience. He's playing in his backyard, minding his own business, And then a mob of freakish toys just come out of nowhere and surround him. And so you have to think that probably has at least a similar psychological impact on the two of them. Yeah, I mean, the fact, I think, uh, Toy Story 3, where Sid's a garbage man uh, at the end of it, um, is one of the uh, 
little nods. He's wearing the same shirt from the first movie. Uh, the fact that he's able to have a stable, a good job, a government job at that. And function in society is, after something as traumatizing as that. Yeah, because, like, Sid is the bad guy in Toy Story. But Sid's not really a bad guy. Like, he, Sid doesn't know these toys have feelings. He doesn't know that they're alive. Yeah, he may be a bit of a of a twisted kid. But what kid wasn't at that age? He's an angsty early teenager. Yeah, and like I can tell you, like when I was a kid, like I was mixing and matching toys. I popped off Lego arms and hands left and right. Like exactly. You're you're now telling me that every time I played with a toy differently, that they I screamed. screamed out in pain. <laughs> yeah, like they were in shock and agony the entire time. I I don't like that, but. It's taking that thing where Sid is almost Chucky, or almost the kid whose name I forget in Child's Play. Danny? I think it was Danny. Because I remember he looked kind of like the kid from The Shining, whose name was also Danny. That may be why I'm thinking it's Danny. (laughs) But it's one of those things where you almost feel bad. Uh, Andy! Andy was the kid's name. What, from Toy Story? Or from Child's Play 2? I believe the child's play. I think Andy was the kid's name. Oh. If I'm not mistaken. So a, a nice another little nod. Further for... proof that Joss Whedon ripped off child's play. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I wonder now. I wonder if it goes even deeper than we realize. What if Disney just looked at child's play and saw, you know, Chucky's marketable. This is great. <laughs> How can we angle this with less murder? With a little, a little, little tiny bit less. What if we made... It just slightly more lighthearted. <laughs> there are a lot of similarities, a lot of similar beats, I think, within it for the characters. You know, maybe Sid is is the Andy, you know, because Andy can't believe that his toys come into life. And when it does, it rattles his world. It destroys everything he ever thought existed. Sid doesn't think his toys are alive. He thinks he's just playing. Harmlessly playing with his toys yeah. until... They are both hit with that sudden realization of, oh no, my life is in danger now. (laughs) Yes. You know, and like the toys in Toy Story straight up threatened. Far more terrifying looking too than Chucky. Chucky really doesn't get that scary looking until after three, after they... When it starts piecing them together. Yeah, when when they do throw them through the wood chipper. No, there will... I know there was, I think, three opened up with the doll being picked up by a crane at a junkyard and bleeding. Because that was the opening title shot, was the the doll being picked up by the crane yeah. and blood dripping all through the place as it's being carried through, which I always thought was cool. And so I think he's, like, partially incinerated or something. Someone picks it up at the last minute and they piece it together. So was, I could have sworn he got... He was he, broken up and then Tiffany pieced him back together. Was three the last one of the original series? I believe so, because 4 is Bride of Chucky, which personally is my favorite of the franchise. I think that was when they officially changed over. Child's Play terrified me as a child. Terrified me. At the time when I was a kid, I had a ton of stuffed animals. I had a bunch of action figures. Mm -hmm. And I was always terrified that Chucky was real. For some reason, he was hiding in my closet. That was how my little stupid child brain worked. What a stupid child. (laughs) What a stupid child that you see a toy murdering people and you take that and put it on your own toys. But it terrified me. I remember when I was a kid, the commercial come on the TV Guide channel. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, on HBO, Child's Play. And the commercial come on and it would scare me so bad. I'd run out of the living room, run down the hall, and I would hide between because we had VHS cabinets. Yeah. Little opening doors. And I would open the doors and stand behind them in between the cabinets to make sure that Chucky couldn't get me. Like, I thought he could get me that bad. 
Which is ridiculous now, because looking back on it, Chucky is is goofy. He's goofy. He is to a grown adult out of all of the like classic horror movie franchise villains. The slasher ones. The easily the least threatening and imposing. I mean, I know I could kill Chucky. I could beat Chucky. Like, that, that would be difficult. That's what that old lady said, and then she got whacked with a ruler. Yeah, but I'm not an old lady. We don't know that. <laughs> I'm nine, 73% certain I'm not an old lady. The highest I can go is 14%. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be like, Chucky, like, yeah, he's got a knife, but like, how much, how much, like, leverage... And how like, much strength is in those arms? It's in those little plastic hinged arms. Like, I could kick Chucky out of a window pretty easily. Kim, we need to email the director to ask him what Chucky's workout routine so, uh, is. The director, Tom Holland. Spider-Man? <laughs> it comes back. I knew he was... He was like negative 10 I, when he wrote when he directed it. I knew he had a lot of talent. It seemed like he'd been in this kind of industry for a while. <laughs> and now I just have my confirmation. Yeah. I mean, it really, when you think about it, it really helped define who Spider-Man is nowadays. Would we have the Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home without Child's Play? <laughs> and most importantly, Child's Play 2. <laughs> I do think it actually kind of looking at the Child's Play series and the Toy Story series, I think that over time, the Toy Story series has taken itself more and more seriously. Oh, as it's definitely. Whereas the Child's Play series has gone the opposite route of taking itself less and less seriously. Yeah, out- outside of the recent remake, they basically just became black comedies. You know, just really, yeah. really dark, very bleak. Seed of Chucky, especially. Yeah. I think it was Bride of Chucky, where the Tiffany doll rips out the dude's nipple rings. Yes. Yeah, I, re- I remember watching that. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I really liked Bride of Chucky. It's very interesting how some series can take themselves more seriously or less seriously. Almost at the whim. Because, like, I know <laughs> Chucky, you know, it opens up with the serial killer doing some oogie boogie Black magic voodoo stuff, putting his soul uh, in the doll. And again, maybe my memory is fuzzy, but I think it's really weird that the doll that was bled on by a serial killer in a shop that was blown up by lightning still found its way to a child's birthday party. Like, do they ever explain how it got? How Chucky wound up from there to in a toy store? Yeah, like how how like do they just like oh guys like yeah we had that serial killer get killed here and this one's like op- this box is open and there's blood all over it but you know just put a little bleach on it throw it back in the box we'll sell it. I believe they had cleaned him up because I <laughs> I don't know there's a lot of the in between that I would like to see. I feel like a lot of movies nowadays over explain things like the alien franchise i love the alien franchise you know as as goofy and wacky as they get well let me say this i love alien one and aliens and then they really carry the burden of my love of that franchise yeah then from then on they're really testing (laughs) how much you love this ip and i and i I keep on giving them credit because alien 3 directed by david fincher uh, alien 4 was joss whedon no no alien no he wrote it he directed it. The, the guys that did Amelie and Mick Max. 
Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, like, they, they have a pedigree. Like, I always want to give them the benefit of the doubt because, like, I love and respect every director that's worked for the for the franchise. But at the same time, you watch it. <laughs> I don't care what anyone said. Covenant was a dumb, fun time. I liked Covenant. I really enjoyed Covenant. But, Way know, more than Prometheus. <laughs> that whole series, like, they are just explaining the origins of everything. And, like, I don't really care about the origin. Like, we, we joke about how did the doll get into the kid's birthday party. But, like, but honestly... I actually am not that interested to see the scene of some old lady <laughs> finding Chucky and being like, oh, I'm gonna clean him up. Yeah, no. And then spending 30 minutes seeing her wipe him down with Windex. Or nowadays, it would be the origin movie of it. Because yeah. we have to have an origin movie of everything. Like, honestly, I'm waiting for a horror movie origin to literally be, like, they're sourcing the materials... It shows someone, like, sweating away in a sweatshop, manufacturing the item. It's really, it's a documentary about... That Ground Street remake begins with <laughs> you seeing Freddy make his gloves before he catches on fire. <laughs> See, like, that's what we need. We, we need overly elaborate origin stories, because apparently Mystique is no longer scary. You have to have everything 100% spelled out and explained every single time. Admittedly, though, it's not like Chucky really had much mystique anyway. They did, what, eight movies now? They got increasingly silly. He was popping up all over the place. Chucky has tons of mystique. <laughs> that time he popped up in the middle of the arena on the screen to yell at Rick Steiner and say, go see my movie. Wait, what? In the good old land of World Championship Wrestling, in the year of whatever year Bride of Chucky came out. <laughs> Rick Steiner is being interviewed by Mean Gene in the middle of the ring, and then Chucky just, for no reason, well, I guess a reason, <laughs> pops up on the screen to talk trash about Mean Gene and then Rick Steiner, only to say, I'm here to talk to Rick. I've got a very specific message. Says that he's going to twist off his head and then says, go see my movie to see what it's like to see a pro at work. <laughs> Was was Rick the only one invited? Like, was the arena left out of this invitation? Was Mean Gene left out? I believe so. I don't think Mean Gene's allowed to go see it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's to too To my scary. knowledge, he never did. Because <laughs> it's not even like he's the biggest Steiner either. That's like if Freddy Krueger showed up on SmackDown and was like, Hey, screw you, Marty Dunetti. <laughs> I'm coming for you next, Honky Tonk Man. Freddy doesn't want that. We're <laughs> going back to... The Child's Play and Toy Story, I don't know if you know this, the new Child's Play, the remake, actually had a series of posters. I don't know if they ever went to the theaters or some of those online-only posters, where it was Chucky having killed the toys from Toy Story. That's some aggressive cross-marketing. <laughs> it's some real... Like, there's one... It's like there's a stick over a campfire and Slinky Dog's severed bodies on it. Like, it's just like his tail and the, and the part of the slink is going down. Disney needs to retaliate with the ads for Toy Story 5 being just the whole crew stomping Chucky in a circle. <laughs> Bo Peep's got the uh, the crook around his neck. <laughs> uh, Buzz Lightyear's got the laser beams going straight into his eyes. I want Disney to get really petty about this. <laughs> I wish that would happen more often. I wish that, like, like, clearly Disney's the top dog. They're the multi-billionaires. They own trillionaires, probably. They own all the IPs now. They own now. a third of the global box office. Right. I want them to, for some reason, be really upset at a movie that did, like, $25 million in the box office. I don't think it even made its budget back. 
don't think it did. But I want them to go really hard after that. Just be really angry about this little movie that I think most people have probably already forgotten even existed. I did. <laughs> I forgot it came out already. Aubrey Plaza's the mom. Yeah, which is weird. That's a weird casting choice. It's a really weird casting choice, but... Because I feel like she's still young enough to be, like... Way young enough to not... Too young to be playing the mom roles already. Yeah. I mean, Hollywood is cruel, though. Yeah. Yeah, but there was... <laughs> she's, she still looks like she's in the age group where Hollywood can cast her as a high school young adult. Oh, yeah, easily. Like, I Mean Girls 3, because there's already a second one, uh, Aubrey Plaza will be the main Mean Girl. <laughs> I think they're doing another second one. Another? <laughs> it's like the official second one. <laughs> mean Girls 2, for real this time. <laughs> Mean Girls 2, Mean Girls 2, that other one doesn't exist, trust us. <laughs> Whatever happened to, like, to the wonderful subtitles, not subtitles, but, like, taglines for movies, like, my fa- my favorite of all time is Break Into Electric Boogaloo. That's my favorite. And anytime I say anything's at number two, I will almost instinctively add Electric Boogaloo to the end of it. Like, they don't do that. Die Hard 3, Die Harder, you know, uh, <laughs> or whatever. I'm partial to Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. <laughs> Revengeance. No, we need that. Like, Ch- Child's Play should have had, they should have leaned into it. Like, I don't Child's know why. Child's Play Revengeance. <laughs> Child's Play. This time the play is childish. <laughs> like just some stupid child's play this time we're all grown up <laughs> child's play this time it's for adults <laughs> no <laughs> I'm you see this is what dear Hollywood I know you're listening Mr. and Mrs. Hollywood uh, you need to hire us, and we will just make the greatest titles ever for you. We would. That can be our job. <laughs> like we won't even. We don't even need to write it. We don't even need to see the movie or read the script. You just give us the title, and we will make it better for you. I'm waiting on my phone call, Disney. I. <laughs> we will help you go after Child's Play Disney. Hire us. <laughs> Trust me, this is the beef you want. <laughs> like I. I love that. But, like, Child's Play, like, when you think about it, they did the remake to make it, like, real serious and spooky and oogity-boogity. But, like, why? Like... They also completely changed what Chucky even is, though. Did they? From what I gathered, it's an AI now that's gone rogue. See, see, this is when we talked about, like, the origin stories, like, the mystique of it. Like, I'm perfectly fine that this serial killer... New black magic voodoo and, and put, put his soul in a doll. I'm perfectly fine with There's that. There's nothing I, wrong with that. I don't need a smart toy all of a sudden, you know, becoming uh, Skynet. Like, I don't need that. <laughs> Skynet and a doll. Unless. I don't Unless. Is this, is Child's Play actually the origin story for the Terminator? It might be. They have <laughs> already rebooted now, like, what, three times? Which Dark Fate was good. I don't believe you. <laughs> it was. I, I really, really liked it. I don't believe you at all not everyone can have sound logic like child's play (laughs) or toy story (laughs) although toy story is like pretty airtight to say the logic's airtight is a bit generous there's a lot of things that don't make sense but at the same time like 
they don't ever bring up the issues that arise from yeah. it. <laughs> they don't act like there aren't any issues. They just chug along. Yeah. So you don't have to notice them. I'm perfectly fine with that. That's like with the origin stories and with the Child's Play remake. Like, I I don't need, like, a logical reason for Chucky to be evil. Turns out it's evil terrorist cells hacking into good guy dolls and killing children. Like, that I don't need would, that. Man, that's <laughs> going to be the future right there. <laughs> Al-Qaeda's gonna hack into our Robo... Uh, what are those things called? Robo-Sapien. <laughs> and they're gonna start boogieing, and they're gonna beat our faces in. <laughs> Take that, Asimov. There are no more rules of robotics. <laughs> the only rule of robotics is that robotics rule. <laughs> that Toy is Toy the... <laughs> Story 5. <laughs> I mean, who owns the rights to Child's Play right now? Because... <laughs> is it Disney yet? Not yet. Because <laughs> we can get that crossover. Give it a couple more years. <laughs> I'm sure they'll buy it. <laughs> Can we get Disney trying to their absolute hardest to do PG-13 child's play? <laughs> you know they are. You, you, I guarantee you the next Alien movie is going to be PG-13. Oh, they own that now. Yeah, no, they do. I didn't realize Which that. Which means Xenomorph is a Disney princess. That's fine. <laughs> I think when it comes to child's play, the reason it has the lasting appeal that it does, because it still does, I think Walmart has Child's Play toys for sale. Like it's probably it's part of, it's part of this like like retro slasher section. They have like Freddy and Jason and stuff. But like they're still making things for him. There was enough of a popularity that they were making at least mildly successful direct to video sequels for. They only recently stopped making them, and that was for the remake. Mm-hmm. And there was enough of a demand demand quote unquote not judged by the box office but otherwise uh, for a remake. Like, Chucky is an endearing and interesting character, I think, when you really get down to it. Because I think the cool thing about Chucky, or the interesting thing about Chucky, is that every child has a toy. Every child has a favorite toy. Every child has the toy that they want. You know, in in Child's Play, Andy wants the good guy doll, because he loves the cartoon. He's dressed like him at the birthday party. Mm -hmm. In Toy Story, Andy wants Buzz Lightyear. He's dressed like him. He watches him on TV. <laughs> but yeah. what if Buzz tried to murder Andy? <laughs> then that's child's play. We've already established this. It makes sense. You know, and the same setup, the same reasons that make child's play terrifying is what makes Toy Story so endearing. You know, it's very much the same same story off the sides of the coin. One is, is evil. One is good. The toys want to be with Andy. The toys want to protect him the toys want to watch him grow up and mature and grow and then chucky wants literally the exact, exact opposite, opposite to watch him not grow up. <laughs> to watch him hurt and suffer and kill you know and that's what it comes down to and i think that's why both of the movies i mean child's play came out i believe in 88 you know so we're looking at 32 years that child's plays around you know my son, who I don't really let watch scary movies, knows who Chucky is. There are Chucky toys at Walmart still to this day. There is still a demand and recognizability to him. You know, in the same goes for Toy Story. Toy Story came out, I believe, 98. Um, <laughs> 96-98. I believe it was around that point. Bride of Chucky was 98. Right, Chucky was 98. Because uh, original was, or very first Child's Play was 88. Yeah. And so, and like, Toy Story, 
So I guess that makes perfect sense for WCW to be doing that segment with Rick Steiner. Like, late 90s WCW, <laughs> whoo, that's when it got good. <laughs> and by good, I mean absolutely terrible. God. I think back on it now, and, you know, there's parts of me that are mad at what wrestling became. You know, with, with the Katie Vicks and the getting rid of the names and all that stuff. And there's other part of me that's mad at WCW being a mockery of wrestling. It really is. I really wish that there was kind of like a middle ground of the two. If there was something in the middle of what WCW ended up as and what WWF, WWE are, I would be very happy. Welcome to Impact Wrestling, sir. (laughs) Because Impact is half really out there ideas but executed fairly well yeah like they'll have some, a f- handful of like ghost demony characters <laughs> they have magic penises they have <laughs> rob van dam which is just an enigma in and of his own because <laughs> you've got rob van dam with his wife and his girlfriend and he's basically just like look what? i make so much money look at their implants watch them shake their butt and <laughs> while i do a frog splash (laughs) yeah we're gonna go to an impact match we're gonna go to an impact show oh we have to they also have roided out old man ken shamrock beating up people oh ken shamrock he actually looks really good he does yeah ken shamrock referenced by limp biscuit (laughs) one of their songs oh oh good (laughs) like i should i I feel I feel a little bit bad, but I still listen to Limp Biscuit because still inside of me is the angry fourteen year old. And that's okay. You should feel bad. <laughs> There's a line. It's like uh, kick ass like Ken Shamrock or something. Hell yeah! I think it's on this specific other album. I like that you remember exactly which album <laughs> it's from. Well, let's be honest. Like they had three good albums. They did three dollar bill, y'all. Fantastic. Significant Other, wonderful, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water, exquisite. It's, it's the perfect trilogy of rap rock. No, there's, no, no. You can't see, but I'm giving Bentley a very disappointing glare. This is not okay. No. Completely off topic. Actually, you know what? Lip Biscuit probably referenced Chucky. That's how this ties in. Fred Durst? No, that... There's light wrestling overlap. They did, um... Oh, they did Undertaker's <laughs> And Fred Durst was also in the, one of the SmackDown games as a playable character. Oh, crap, I forgot about that. <laughs> I was thinking uh, SummerSlam 2015, super out of nowhere. What? Just... 2015? Yes. So anytime there's, like, a celebrity in the crowd, they'll always make sure that they're front row, and they'll be like, look at this famous person that's watching us. We're cool, right? This famous person likes us. <laughs> And at one point, there's like, look, kids, it's Fred Durst. And then he flips off the camera and they immediately cut away from him. <laughs> this was Fred Durst a year before uh, he had his beef with Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> well, who also had their own wrestling league. Yes, they do. There's a lot of big names that, like, bigger than you would expect. And the Juggalo that, Wrestling that Championship. Have for JCW. Is it Juggalo, Juggalo Champ- Championship Wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a goal for us maybe we should go to gathering the juggalos <laughs> i legitimately kind of want to 
I have a friend that goes every go. year. Every year he goes, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, you don't do meth. Why are you there? Because sometimes you just need to sa- surround yourself with a lot of chaotic energy, and if you <laughs> die there, it's fine. <laughs> It adds to the mystique. The, the whole weekend that burnies you for the whole weekend. Yes! <laughs> I want someone to do that to me regardless of how I die. Put in your will, I got you. Okay. <laughs> I'll update it. If I die before Bentley, he has to weekend that burnies me for at least 48 hours. Yes. You have to throw a house party. <laughs> Get you in a conga line. Yes. It's not required, but it is heavily suggested that you at least get someone to make out with me. Okay, I got you. If not, have sex with my corpse. <laughs> Why not both? I'm going to send you out in style. <laughs> That's good. And then as soon as it's done, just set my body on fire. <laughs> just push you out into the lake. <laughs> That's how the party ends. All right, guys, go on. Turns out the guy you had sex with, he's dead. No, Off you tell the them that you. after you set me on fire and threw me in the lake. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. He was already dead the whole time. <laughs> is that what, is that Weekend at Bernie's 2? I don't remember that. I remember it being bad. No, Weekend at Bernie's 2, I think they go to either Hawaii or Florida. They go to the beach. But how do they still have a dead body? You know what? I don't need to know. Let's keep the mystique alive, just like with Chucky. The mystique needs to live. Weekend at Bernie's. Just don't think about it. (laughs) Just don't think about it. (laughs) Again, that whole time period of like the mid to late 80s and like early 90s, there was a lot more voodoo than you expect. Because that's what we, when the Bernies happened, there was voodoo. Was there? Yeah, that, that's how that's how Bernie ended up being weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I thought he, they just found a dead body. No, no. Because like, if you notice, like, he walks a little bit. Like, he he has some animation. He's, like, borderline a zombie. I just assumed that they didn't know what rigor mortis was. <laughs> You don't think that Weekend at Bernie's did its research on the effects of dead bodies? I bet they did. <laughs> I bet someone actually got paid to. The death consultant? <laughs> Just like I bet they actually, like, someone got paid to be, like, a toy consultant for Toy Story. I, like, I want that job. Like, I want to become an expert in something. To just, where... to just like, that looks like a cowboy. Kids like <laughs> cowboys and Space Ranger. <laughs> I'm going to be the Taco Bell expert. They're like, oh, so uh, how do we need to do the tacos? Okay, first of all, you got to put the uh, the tortilla on the grill. More creamy jalapeno sauce. That's the answer to everything. creamy jalapeno sauce. That's not standard, is it? It's not, but it makes it good and it makes the characters more believable that they go there all the time. Just... <laughs> I need more brand integration in my movies. Like... I'm not even going to get into Transformers 4. That's a discussion for another episode. <laughs> I, think, I think we've exhausted the child's play Toy Story. This is it. Like, you know we're right. We are right. Make it a thing. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to us. Still. I mean, at this point, who knows? <laughs> child's Play and, uh, and Toy Story, same movie. Basically the same movie. Basically the same movie. Honestly, if I describe the plot of one of them... You would think it was the other one. Simple mistake. Look at them on Netflix and you'll see like, oh, is this one Child's Play? Is this one uh, Toy Story? It'll take you probably about 40 minutes to realize that it's not the other one. <laughs> but just give it some time. One one really good tip is they say the F word way more in Toy Story, I think. That is true. There's a lot less... That's actually one of the main differences is there's a lot less swearing in Child's, Child's Play. Play. <laughs> Violence, they have more violence, admittedly, but 
the language much more under control. They weren't trying to be as edgy as Toy Story. <laughs> <as> Toy Story. <laughs> We've overseen our welcome. Let's go ahead. Stick with us. We're going to go ahead and we're going to take a look at uh, what happened at uh, NXT in your house and uh, speculate wildly for backlash. Thank you so much for being with us this long. I know there's a lot of things that we talked about, like Chucky threatening Rick Steiner and Chucky killing the toys from Toy Story and a couple other odds and ends. So we're going to include those within our social media post, which you can find us across all the social medias at Wrestling With Film Podcast. You can search for us by that name and we'll pop up anywhere you need us. So make sure you go ahead, give us a like, give us a follow, and take a look at the content that we're sharing on there. Now, let's go ahead and kind of wrap this up. Let's talk about first NXT In Your House pay-per-view, and then let's speculate about Backlash. NXT TakeOver In Your House was, if you were to rank all of the takeovers, I would definitely say it's on the latter end of the spectrum. It was, without saying it's a bad one, it was one of the worst takeovers, but it was still good. The opening six-man tag was, eh, it was nothing bad, but nothing to write home about either. Keith Lee versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship was by far the show stealer. Keith Lee defeating him to retain the championship after getting stabbed in the eyeball by (laughs) a house key. Yes. I'm very intrigued. Has Johnny Gargano been living in the In Your House set this entire time? I think so. Or maybe did the show in his front yard and just built it off of his house. That would make sense. That would make more sense than Johnny and Candace have been staying inside of this house for weeks. <laughs> Being like, man, four weeks left till my match. <laughs> Good thing I got this ring in my front yard to practice. <laughs> <laughs> no, they built that for the set for the match. They built it the day before. Oh, he didn't get to practice. No. They didn't get the home field advantage. Nope. (laughs) Well, I mean, especially not. He lost after getting his head bashed into his door. It's true. I'm kind of surprised they had a ring doorbell camera that they kept cutting to during the show. Yes. That surprised me. And then secondly, I'm disappointed they didn't cut to it more often. Well, you could only use it viably for that spot when Johnny was trying to unlock the door to get back inside of his home. (laughs) And Keith Lee just marches up and beats his head on the door. <laughs> and also, I'm also sad no one went through the door. I kept on. Hoping. I was expecting Johnny to like go through the glass, yeah. but then I don't know. That's a little bit risky. Yeah. Well, Io went through the window before. Did, did she? Did Io go she, through the window? The window with the screen behind it. She went through it on her way up to the top of the roof, which I definitely want to talk about the, the triple threat match. We will. But so there was that. Like, I feel like they could have incorporated the set a little bit more. That was a thing, right? Back in the day. like Using they... the set and matches? Yeah. Um, only certain people. Like, if Jeff Hardy was there, then you know he would. <laughs> I felt like they incorporated it enough with the main event triple threat yeah. for the women's championship. And we still had the fun backlot brawl. Yes. Between Adam Cole and the Velveteen Dream for the NXT Championship. Adam Cole walked away still the champion. Which I was not... Not expecting that at all. I... Well, there is a rumor Velveteen Dream is going to get pulled up, right? No. So now the current plan is Velveteen Dream staying put 
Oh. So now it's really like, what do you do with him? Because they set up the stipulation now that Velveteen Dream can no longer challenge for the championship while Adam Cole has it. I guess that means Dream is the second to next person to get the belt. They have one of two options right now. Well, I guess three. They could still pursue down the Dexter Loomis route versus Adam Cole. But I don't see them doing that. Dexter Loomis, as entertaining as he is, I would not put the belt on him. Not yet. He's too fresh. He's much too fresh. He's They've only been really building him for about two months now. Baby faces do not do very good at the top there. Do you think that's also part of the reason they didn't give Velveteen Dream the win down the backlot brawl? Because Velveteen, he's, he's, he's a baby face, right? He's, uh, like, he's like a tweener baby face. You can flip him around to f- honestly feud with anybody right. that you need. Same with Dexter Loomis, which is... I love that there are a lot more versatile characters, which they're not specifically a good guy or a bad guy. They're almost in between, and it just depends on the circumstances of who they're feuding with. Right. Like, Dexter Loomis, by all accounts, should be a monster heel. Yeah. He's... He's wrestling under basically a Hannibal Lecter gimmick of giving you the thousand yard stare and never blinking. He never says a word, but he's just always there watching you or painting creepy pictures of your <laughs> friends being dead and leaving I, them in your furniture. I did love I did love the uh down the back lot brawl. Yes. When he shows up and kidnaps Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish and just throws them in the trunk and peels out of the parking lot. That is the best way for interference to come in and eliminate other yes. interference. I absolutely Just kidnap love them. Yeah, and I love that, like, Dexter wasn't necessarily doing it for the Velveteen Dream. He's just doing it for himself. Yeah, because he has a weird obsession with the Undisputed Era, but also very specifically Roderick Strong. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Like, it's I, fantastic. We're, we're dancing all around the backyard, the backlot brawl. You liked it. As far as the recent string of, I guess, cinematic. cinematic, as you would call it, wrestling, I would say this has probably been my least favorite out of all the matches, such as like the Boneyard match with AJ and Undertaker, or the Stadium Stampede, or the Money in the Bank ladder match. This was my least favorite out of, actually, no. Uh, Champa versus Gargano would probably be my least favorite. But this one, it was entertaining. It was good. There was a lot of fun, goofy spots. Velveteen Dream pulling up in the supercar dressed like <laughs> Negan was entertaining. <laughs> and then Adam Cole getting thrown through a car windshield and yes. getting all cut up. Which that is, was awesome. That was great. But overall, it was an alright match. And then we have the main event, the triple threat. Mm, loved it. Oh, it was fantastic. Wasn't my match of the night, but it was, st- I would say Gargano and Keith Lee and then the Finn Balor, Damian Priest, which I almost skipped over. Really? That was Damian's way better than it had. Damian's stairs? Awesome. Woo! Way better than it had any right to be. I've not been particularly impressed with Damian Priest prior to now. Yeah. I'm very much sold on him as a valuable asset to at the very least, a really good hand to have in the mid-card. I, I I, thought it was a great match. and That I, double stomp to his back when he was hunched over as soon as he got slung back into the ring. Mm. Oh, my God. <sighs> that looked nasty. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm a sucker for Mike's skills. If, if you are interested in listening to, I'm in, and I love his voice. His voice is interesting. Promo-wise, it's... To me, it's just the same thing. It is da 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 So my name will live forever. Yeah. 
But, I mean, it's a fun enough gimmick. I mean, at the end of the day, that's literally what every wrestler is yeah, trying to do. That's all it is. And I do, I do like his little bow and arrow. I do, too. Uh, With the entrance where he shoots it and then his name pops up on fire on yeah. the screen. That's neat. That's fun. I've really enjoyed Finn Balor since he came back to NXT and has done his little Prince Devitt light run. The main event, Io Shirai, Charlotte Flair. Rhea Ripley. NXT Women's Championship on the line. Charlotte Flair going into, this is her second championship defense after losing but retaining in her first one but after getting disqualified against Io Shirai. Right. But it's okay because now Io Shirai is women's champion. Everything is fine. Japanese women are taking over wrestling. I love it. I fully support this. I'm all here for it. Now we just need... I guess WWE doesn't have any more Japanese women that can send a SmackDown to beat Bailey. No. <laughs> it was um, great. That uh, crossbody splash off of the roof of Johnny and Candace's house <laughs> was great. Even though. I'll... Do you think they minded that? Like, they were probably. Oh, like... they were probably upset. They're knowing probably... then, they're. Probably taking a nap they're some at that stingy, point. angry white people. That <laughs> <laughs> hooligan's around the front yard climbing on the house again. <laughs> That hooligan just did a moonsault off my house. Get out my damn yard, kids! But great match. Was really worried that they were just going to keep the NXT Women's Championship on Charlotte Flair for longer because it hasn't even been that long. She now, now that she's lost it, she has the shortest Women's Championship reign really? under that belt's history, and it still felt like way longer than it did. What's well, because she's everywhere? Like, and I, I, she's I, always champion. Well, I heard someone say, I think it was on Reddit. Someone said that Charlotte loses a belt to get a belt. Yes. And so I don't know which one they're going to send her off to next to take. They're going to send her to Raw and take it from Oscar. No! Because Asuka oh, can't right. have nice things. They're building it. Take it from Bailey. <laughs> take they, some... can't, they can't have her take it from Bailey because Sasha has to be the one to take it from Bailey. They've spent so long true. building up which, this rivalry. They've done a good job. They've done a good job, but I honestly think they should have just pulled the trigger at WrestleMania this year. Okay, so you think backlash? That's going to happen. Yes, which is kind of a nice little segue. Which is segue because that is one of the matches on the card is a three-way women's tag between Bailey and Sasha Banks defending the belts against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and then Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, the Iconics. Right. Which, which I like the Iconics. I do, and they've already set up a match past that. I believe next week on NXT, uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox are getting a shot at the tag belts. But we have the women's tag match. We have the what is being billed as the <laughs> greatest wrestling match ever. Which, Edge versus Randy Orton. Which I, again, no offense to, to Randy Orton, but I don't think there's any world where I would describe the greatest wrestling match ever. As a Randy, Randy Orton match? As a Randy Orton match. I would never. I mean, there's only so many headlocks you can do. I mean, is it like if you tell a bad joke and the first time it's like, ha, 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 and then it gets really annoying, and then at a certain point it just comes funny that you're doing it? Is that what it is with Randy's headlock? Is it like, oh, okay, he's a, that's a neat setup. Oh, God, he's doing the headlock again. again. And then it's like, oh, my God, there's more headlocks. Like, does it just elevate it? Is that the goal here? There was a picture someone posted on Twitter from, and this was early 2000 early to mid 2000s but it was just a screenshot of a fan signed during a randy orton match and he's just holding it up and it says really randy another headlock (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, like I mean, I I love Edge. I actually I, I showed, love Edge. I showed my wife the table out of chair match. The Edge and Christian Hardy Boys and Dudleys. Yeah, great match. I showed her that. I found it on YouTube, and I was like, I for like I remember that match. That spear off the top of the ladder where <sighs> Jeff is just hanging there is still to this day one of the wildest spots I've ever seen. There's like there's so I many bet that wild hurts. spots. So. And again, I love Edge. Randy Orton's just always been there for me. So you're telling me that you're not a fan of the rated RKO tag run they had? That was probably when I wasn't watching. Yes, it was. <laughs> I don't like the storyline. I don't like the motivation. I don't like the reasoning. I just, I'm not crazy. I just want to see Edge wrestle other people. Yeah. If out of Edge's, I'm assuming we're going to get maybe like 10 or so matches out of Edge before he goes back into retirement. I would rather than be against people he hasn't wrestled yet, as opposed to someone that he has feuded with in the past, held tag belts with in the past, wrestled plenty of times, and wrestled at this year's WrestleMania two shows earlier. Who would be a good person for Edge to help get over? Because I mean, I don't... Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins, you think... Well, Seth Rollins and Edge already have a built-in feud of when Seth was... Right before he became WWE champion for the first time and he was with the authority with Triple H and Stephanie McMahon and Corporate Kane. Um, At Survivor Series, it was Authority versus, I believe, John Cena and Friends. And if they had lost, then Authority's disbanded. If they won, Authority gets full control and good guys are fired. So obviously, good guys win. Mm -hmm. And Edge kind of strong... Or Edge showed up for whatever reason. I don't remember why he was there, but the authority beats him up and Seth Rollins has his head um, on his briefcase and he's like, I'm going to stomp on his neck and paralyze this man, John Cena, if you don't personally reinstate the authority. And so he did and then was like, you should have known. I would have done it anyways and was about to before I think Cena made the save. Yeah. So they already have that built in and especially if they're trying to build up Seth Rollins as the the whole Monday Night Messiah gimmick by having Buddy Murphy and Austin Theory be his apostles. But he's he's going to have to be out for a little bit. Who? Seth. Why? Baby. The baby's coming in December. Is he having the baby? He's the father. I would assume Is he's he... going to hang out with his wife or Yeah, but the baby's not be. due till December. You can do a SummerSlam match. You think, you think so? Yeah, SummerSlam's think... August. Okay. Have him do that. Maybe Edge beats him because why not? And... <laughs> then Seth Rollins can go away for a while. I don't know. In a weird way, I see Seth Rollins not being gone very much during the whole maternity leave period. We've got a two-on-one handicap match. Braun Strowman versus John Morrison in The Miz. Gee whiz, I wonder who will win that. So who do you think? Braun's going to pin The Miz. Okay, so I don't want that. I know you don't want it, but they already I, set up too many storylines for Braun to just have to drop his world title run on this. I I want The Miz and John Morrison to be co-champions. See, I don't think it would be co. I think it would. It's whoever gets the pinfall gets the belt. See, I want I want it to be co-champions. I want was, them to have to share it. <laughs> I just think Braun's a absolute idiot for being like yeah i'll do another handicap match literally his last handicap match where he was defending a belt he lost it <laughs> well, to I mean, Sami Zayn. well the thing is this and I, and I think the the struggle comes down to it especially with a limited roster and limited uh space and availability 
is that when you have a beast like Braun Strowman, it's really hard to have a believable rivalry with just one-on-one. I mean, who who could really, like, you could have maybe Drew or Bobby Lashley feud with him. They're on Raw they're and on Raw. feuding with each other. And feuding with each other. Like, those are the only two other guys that I can think of size-wise that you could conceivably, or I guess Brock. Brock, you could, but Brock's on his time off now. Yeah. Thank God. Riddle, it's, it's too early. He hasn't even, like, officially showed up on SmackDown. But he, he doesn't just... have the size. He doesn't have the size to be a, a formable threat to Braun. Yeah, he does. Riddle's a big boy. He, he's pretty big. He's lean. He's very lean. He's a, He was a middleweight. Yeah, Braun Strowman is super heavy. Yeah, he's a beefcake, but Matt Riddle... He instantly gets bonus points because he did MMA, so that instantly makes him a kayfabe tougher wrestler. I don't know. I just, it's Brock I, logic. <laughs> but Brock is a big dude. Brock is literally a gorilla of a man. <laughs> like I said, I just... I, He's a I giant pink gorilla. <laughs> like I, said, I just I don't know how else you go with it. And again, I with the John Morrison, the, the, the MC Miz and Johnny Drip... Oh, uh, God, no. I <laughs> forgot about their rap. Uh, with them, uh, I think for comedic purposes... They're an amazing tag yeah, team. And they I, both have the star power. They're just not putting them in that spot. And I do think this is a good filler title defense until it's time for the Bray Wyatt storyline to kick back up with The Fiend coming in, which I do think that's probably going to happen at the end is... You know, Braun will hit the power slam, one, two, three, celebrating, and then the lights go out and the fiend shows up. See, I th- I think you have Braun lose after all the the quote unquote anguish that John and the Miz had. But the put fiend him has to take it from him though. It but has that's to be full circle. But you let you let Braun be upset that he lost it, and then the fiend comes up to console him, to be there for him, and then he takes him like like you take him when he's at his lowest, quote unquote. And that's when you get them. I think that would... And plus, and again, for comedic purposes, I want co-champions. I want them to have to share the belt and make decisions together. (laughs) I would like to see that. And if anyone's going to do that, Miz and Morrison would do it best. Look, imagine how great that they have to make decisions about who to defend it against. And you can even maybe eventually have them... Split up again. And then one of them gets it and they can drop it real quick to someone else. I don't know. Morrison's got bad track record with that. When they split up, Miz won the feud. <laughs> Actually, technically, John Cena won the feud. <laughs> See, because he's been they deleted, so. because they roped it into uh, Miz's WWE title run, and John Cena won. <laughs> but uh, we have our other world title defense. The match. I'm. Mo- I won't say most. I both am and am not most looking forward to it, but for the WWE Championship, Drew McIntyre defending against one of my personal picks. He is in my stable of favorite boys, sweaty Bobby Lashley. <laughs> so, side note though, I do have a like a strong connection to Bobby Lashley. Last year, a friend of mine had taken me to Memphis for my birthday to see Monday Night Raw where I witnessed the triple threat of Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, who is now known as John Moxley in AEW, 
and Bobby Lashley over the Intercontinental Championship. And Bobby Lashley was very much like, I assumed he was there to eat the pin because the match was very much about the Ambrose-Rollins rivalry. Right. But then Bobby Lashley won. And me and my friend were not only the only people during the match cheering for him, but then when it happened, everybody's like, boo, boo. And then you just have us drunk being screaming really loud hell yeah sweaty bob <laughs> and then he just and he looked over and just went boom and just pointed at us and i was like there we go so now i will ride or die for bobby lashley <laughs> see that and like here's my here's my my confliction on it i adore drew mcintyre so much I do too he's love, absolutely fantastic I love everything but I want Bobby him. Lashley to win and th- but the thing that scares me though is that one it's gonna make me very sad that Drew's only had it for a little bit um without any like I would dare say memorable moments of, of really holding his belt like he, he's been really I like him like taking on any challenge he's or been fighting yeah, I would agree with that he's had a few defenses he's already wrapped up a couple feuds but hasn't had memorable moments in the feud but i do like the last one because this is the first one where you're seeing drew kind of vulnerable yeah like that last episode of raw he, full he locked in the full nelson and drew didn't get out yeah which i love that something as simple as the full nelson that is actually a really hard thing to get out of when it's locked in yeah is now his just massive monster submission finisher. Yeah. So I like it. And then the other thing that scares me is, is that, that they're going to repeat TNA history where Bobby Lashley beat Drew McIntyre for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship and then began the greatest run ever where he won every single singles belt and held them at once. I What I'm afraid of, which I would be 100% down for that, I want one person this year to have every single belt. Bobby Lashley, baby. I, I want I want one person to literally consolidate everything, and then you have the entire company. But it's not as impressive on there because unless you put the tag belts on them too, then that's then it is. But then it's just See, that's, two that's belts. That's why I think I, again. I I think if you consolidate all the belts onto Becky and Bailey or uh, Bailey and Sasha, if you consolidate all the women's belts onto them. Just like run roughshod over everybody, unstoppable force. Put the the raw belt on Sasha. Uh, give I'm gonna have him... to stop you there because they're gonna hear this and be like, "That's a good idea. We should put all the belts on Charlotte." <laughs> no, 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 not Charlotte. Uh, but you put it on them, and then you have a, you can build it up for a pay per view where literally all three brands are gunning for them, and they have to defend themselves in three separate matches on the card. Yeah. Or, or you have a giant match where the first pin gets the lower ranking belt, second pin gets this belt, third pin gets this. I would like that. That would be fun, but only if you have a couple of those in the first two, Bobby's just running <laughs> through everyone. <laughs> where it's like, all right, Bobby retains this belt, and he retains another, and another. And Bobby, I want Bobby to hold all the belts. You could just put the WWE, have him kill Apollo Crews and get the United States Championship, and then him and MVP can win the Raw Tag Belt. Yeah. All the belts are on Bobby. MVP gets a belt, too. Because why not? Why not? I would, I would love... Like I, again, I'm, I'm a little tired of the multiple belts on one person thing, 
but it's only because it's only like one or two. Like if you if you just went all in on one person getting all the belts, I would lose my mind. It would it would be the greatest heel run that you have ever seen because you would hate them because one they have all the belts. They're beating all your favorites. They're unstoppable force. And then you build it up for a great pay-per-view where you just have an insane free-for-all of all the brands gunning for this one person. And let them keep one. Keep, keep, keep at least one belt. The world title, though. <laughs> I just want Bobby Lashley to be that top star. Yeah. And again, I think he will. But my, my biggest fear, my biggest, biggest fear with this is Drew's going to lose the belt. Bobby's going to get it. And at SummerSlam, Brock's going to show up. Or Goldberg is going to show up. Some, some dried-up has-been that shouldn't be wrestling anymore that I can't stand is going to show up and get the part-time belt and then disappear and not have a, a, an actual building storyline until they decide to pop up for 15 minutes and spam their finisher. So I kind of want that to happen just because Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar is my dream match. Because Bobby Lashley was TNA's Brock Lesnar. They treat, because he had the Bellator MMA acumen at the time. Yeah. So you can treat him in the same light, but they were, it was basically what if you had a full-time Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm fine if they have a match. Brock can't win. Brock doesn't need the championship. Brock doesn't need the win, and that would make Lashley look incredible. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, honestly, I, I don't know how much they pay Brock to pop up. I don't know how much money Brock needs. Over a mil. At this point. Over a million. But, like, he can stop. Like, there, there's enough up-and-coming talent. There's enough existing talent. We don't need to parade out Brock and Goldberg. Especially when Goldberg's no, cussing himself every No, we minutes. have to parade the, them both out at least one more time for Matt Riddle to retire both of them. I, okay, that one I'm because also cool with. that's a stallion move, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like, I know I know, we're putting a lot of hopes and dreams on Backlash. Um, like, <laughs> we barely talked about the greatest wrestling match ever. I don't even care about it. Like, but we actually are going to get low-key the greatest wrestling match ever, and it's not even the one that's being billed as it, though. The Drew, the Drew Bobby? No. Which one? The finals for the Intercontinental Championship Tournament, Drew, Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be so That's literally good. the two best male wrestlers in WWE. Yeah. I'm stupid excited. Though, I mean, I was expecting a great match from AJ and Shinsuke, and it really wasn't. Like, I'm, I'm hoping... It it was, but the thing is that at that point, they honestly just shouldn't even do those matches because when they put on that match, everyone will think about their New Japan match at Wrestle Kingdom, and that was the greatest thing ever. Five yeah. stars. And so then when they did it in WWE, everyone expected it to live up to that, and it didn't, and then they just kept the feud going and it just kept kind of getting diminishing returns yes where the matches were just still nowhere near that level and they never will because that was two of the best at in the world at the time wrestling in the new japan style which is a lot so speaking better speaking of great matches i do want to touch on uh raw with um alistair black and humberto carrillo versus buddy murphy and austin theory yes the level of chemistry that buddy murphy and alistair black have in the ring is those two need to main event some kind of pay-per-view together which is 
I'm hope like I don't know because Backlash's full card hasn't isn't out yet. Even and, it's re- and we're real close. Like, what if we get or what if we get a longer match of that? I would lose my mind. My wife and I were cheering and hooting and hollering for the t- and hollering. for the whole five minutes of that match. Like we were just like, oh, oh, yes, oh. It was yeah. really short, but it was just fast paced and there were so fluid. There were more moves in that five minutes than there probably were in all the other matches that night combined. <laughs> like it was insane. The speed, the accuracy. The the technical ability of all of them, the way they're setting each other up, like I I love that angle. I love that storyline. So I guess they actually, there may be one or two more matches they might tack on, but it does look like for the most part, Backlash is finalized because they do have the Oscar Nijax match for the Raw Women's Championship. Oscar's obviously gonna obviously going to win. They but have the Jeff right. Hardy Sheamus no... match. I mean. Asuka is going to... Like, like, they no, can't. they're not they, going to put the belt on Nia Jax. Especially after she hurt Kyrie Sane, they're not going to do yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, like, are they going to... Are they going to let Nia Jax take the L? Yes. Then and drop her back down to NXT? Or I think drop they're just going to straight up take her off TV for a while. Yeah. Because it's too much heat that you're getting from her. Every, mm, every time. Every time she steps out there, something... Especially lately, everything that she's done post-Money in the Bank... There's been some kind of heavy footnote of, well, here's what went wrong. Because well, like, I remember with the uh, Kyrie Sane incident. Yeah, she slung were, her head first in the stairs from um, weight maybe three to five feet away. So that's not enough space for Kyrie well, Sane to control and she, her And she fall. didn't even get her balance coming out of the ring either. Mm-mm. She got the ring, boom, thrown. Immediately got grabbed her head, forced her down, yeah. and then slung her into the steps and busted her head open. Yeah, like it's it's it's... It's actually, and like honestly, I've heard I've heard back and forth now that backlash is pre-filmed. I've heard that it's not. I've heard some. I know. Some, I know the Reg. <laughs> <laughs> I know that the Edge Randy Orton match has already been taped. Okay. I believe they taped that last week. Okay. So that one's already been done. I don't know if that means it'll be a cinematic match. I really hope not. Or if that just means they went ahead and just like got it out of the way so they could go ahead and clean it up because i do feel like that i think they may stick out a seven match card because the seventh match is apollo cruz defending against andrade for the united states championship right and that'll be a good match i mean we did literally just see it but there's more that and they apollo can do together right? uh honestly i see andrade winning it back at back like if, that quick if andrade doesn't win it back then that means that they're gonna put more focus on Andrade and Angel Garza as a tag team together. Okay. So, all right, so let's do this. Let's wrap things up for today. Let's go over the card and make our predictions for each match. All right. Match number one, Andrade challenging Apollo Crews for the United States Championship. Andrade winning it back. I want Apollo to keep. I would like Apollo to keep it so they can build him up, but I I just have a feeling Andrade will win it back. I feel I feel like it's like they're giving Apollo a little bit of a, of a push. I feel like to take it away from him again so quickly is going to undermine any of that push, and it's going to delegitimize any of his options in the future. It is, but that's a very WWE thing to do, which also is why true. it'll probably happen. True. Next the match: women's triple threat tag match of the Iconics versus Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I I think that Bailey and Sasha are going to retain. 
I think they might retain. If it changes hands, it'll be the Iconics. Yeah. The only thing I know is either Nikki Cross or Alexa Bliss is getting pinned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is all I know for that match is those two are for sure eating the pin. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the Woo! vacant Intercontinental Championship. AJ Styles. You think AJ's going to I think get it'll it. be AJ, but I want it to be Daniel Bryan just because he didn't get the Intercontinental Championship reign that he should have first time around because he had to vacate the belt and then retire yeah. from brain injury. You know, I think... I think I'm going to go with you. I think I'm going to go with you on this one that AJ's going to get it because if you look right now... Apollo's a face. Drew's a face. New Day are face. New Day are face. We, there, there's not enough heel winner. So I'm going to give... I'm going to agree with you. I think AJ's going to get it. Though, I would like Daniel to get it. I would like Daniel to get it. I mean, honestly, you can't go wrong. Like This This is a match either, that either one's There's no wrong outcome either way. You know you're going to get a really good match in whichever man walks out champion is going to do a good job with the belt and... The next episode of SmackDown will be entertaining to see them. Yes. But we have that. We have Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus. Which is a no-stakes match. No stakes. It's just they don't like each other, and Sheamus makes fun of Jeff Hardy's shady history. And Sheamus has a good point with his whole angle, that he's unreliable, that you can't trust him, that he has problems uh, you know, about Sheamus does have a point. He's just kind of a dick about it. Yeah, he is. But I see Jeff Hardy winning solely because the way I see it is Braun will retain his belt. So I guess there's my prediction for that one. Yeah. Bray Wyatt will, or I guess specifically the fiend Bray Wyatt, mm -hmm. will be feuding with him, will get the belt, and Jeff Hardy will be the, the fiend's first feud post-Braun. Really? You think, think they're going to push the him up there? Yes. Huh. Because I do think Jeff Hardy's probably due for a decent push just because, well, your brother just went over to AEW and he's having a fun time. You, we but need you to stay you have here. Fun time. Yeah. <laughs> so Maybe. I think Jeff Hardy will win that. Then we have Oscar versus Nia Jax. We already basically Asuka. we Asuka. skipped that Oscar. Yeah. So um, long as she doesn't get injured. Yeah, I really hope not. We'll I'm, see. I'm so scared. We'll see. We have. Braun versus Miz and Morrison, which we already talked about. I know you yeah. believe that Miz and Morrison will win. <laughs> I love uh, co-champions. I'm on the opposite. And then we have Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. I think Drew will win, but I want Bobby to. I want Bobby to win so bad. I, I guess all those matches where I don't think there's a wrong outcome, but I want Drew. I'm, I will be satisfied by either outcome, yeah. but I want Bobby. I, I, I'm fine if they keep building this up a little bit longer. Maybe have them go back and forth with a couple wins, a couple losses uh, to build up maybe for SummerSlam, then let Drew drop it to, to Bobby. Or Bobby takes it now, and then Drew takes it back at SummerSlam. I don't know. So, something like that. I'm fine as long as it switches hands between the two of them for a little bit, and they keep on building it. Because I, I think it's a fun story. It is. And to wrap things up, the greatest... <laughs> Wrestling match ever. Oh, I so Edge don't care. versus Randy Orton. I think Edge is gonna win again. I want, I want if Edge. Randy wins again, though, that means it's gonna continue. Oh. And I really hope he doesn't win. I I want Edge to win, and it shuts Randy up. And he's like, all right, you earned the Vipers' respect. You you know you you can stay around for a while because I said so. Like whatever, like fine. Who cares, Randy? And then Edge can do something else that's more engaging, entertaining. Maybe maybe let him go out on 
if his neck's up to it, let him go out on a crazy ass match like from his glory days. Like, you know, I don't think his neck's up for it. I don't think it is either. But let him let him do something just wild and out. Let him like just have a one year run, have some fun, and then peace out. So I want Edge. I want Edge just so the feud will be done. Because if Randy wins, that means it's continuing because then you instantly have to make it a trilogy of Edge has one win, Randy has another. They have to fight another time to settle the score and have the rubber match. I will say this, though. The Raw SmackDown pay-per-views, the big ones, someone has has been killed at each one now. You had John Cena being murdered. John Cena got murdered. You had um, Aleister Black. And Rey Mysterio. Thrown off the roof. They were. Maybe Randy just straight up murders Edge. (laughs) Just ends it. I have always said someone should just bring a gun to a no DQ match. (laughs) Why are there the house shows? Absolutely murder someone. Just shoot him. Just shoot another wrestler on a pay-per-view. And then just be like, turns out... (laughs) There's another roof well, six no, feet down. Well, they did that that one time. They did some angle where John Cena and Carlito were feuding, and John Cena got stabbed in a nightclub by Carlito's <laughs> friend. But then John Cena was okay. Yeah, it's just it, it is but a flesh wound. Because I think they were even like, oh, it went in between my ribs and dodged all my vital organs. <laughs> it's one of those zigzaggy knives. <laughs> so Cena was okay. So in that case, for for the final for the final match, my prediction: uh, Randy or, uh, Orton just straight up murders Edge, or Edge murders. Or, uh, See, I Orton. think Edge is going to be more likely to bring a gun to the match. There we go. So because Randy has something to prove of, oh, it's a wrestling match, so I'm the best at that. So Edge is just going to shoot him before the match starts. Greatest Don, match ever. Great. We will always talk about that. Edge straight up murdered a man on TV. Let's end things on a really grim story. <laughs> That have to do with murdering a man on live television. That almost happened at WrestleMania. So, after ECW had folded and fell apart, and Paul Heyman still owed a lot of guys money, one of them was Tommy Dreamer. Oh. And Tommy Dreamer was very angry with Paul Heyman, and very not well mentally. And so he had bought a gun, and his plan was, I forget which WrestleMania it was, but during one of them, he was gonna be front row and he was going to hop over the barricade and kill Paul Heyman on TV, hit his pose in the ring, and shoot himself in the head. What? Because he was like, in his mind, he was like, I will go down in history, and this will be the most infamous moment in wrestling history ever. And he wouldn't have been wrong. No. I mean, for for that stance, no. And also, that would have been the most ECW thing to ever do. (laughs) How hardcore is that? But now that we've ended things on a light and happy note, thanks for tuning into the Wrestling with Film podcast. I'm Will. I'm Bentley. And we'll see you next time. That's the best way to end it. <laughs>